Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Rant Much, a Ooh. podcast for black girls who talk too much. I am Tuli, and I'm chilling with my lovely co-host. What up, y'all? It's Naya. How y'all doing? How are y'all doing? I feel like we haven't checked in with our audience in a while. <laughs> hey, man. But hey, man. I also feel like y'all don't interact with us as much as we'd like you to. So you guys need to like send us a message, slide into our DMs. How are you actually doing? Because Please. it's always us. We want to know. <laughs> we really do want to know. Be like, girl, my day the other day. Like, I would love those stories. That would mean that y'all are actually listening to us when we talk. And that's nice. I like that. Yeah. That's cute. And you know, you know what's really cool is when we get DMs or um, comments under our, our posts for that episode of like, oh my word, I'm catching up on Rant Match. This is so exciting. Like, it's yes. so amazing yes. just to see yes. people like actually listening and it's like we're not just creating episodes in a vacuum for nobody to listen that's pretty cool facts facts it just feels so much better it, it almost is like i'll be honest like it feels like it, we have a reason for doing this not just besides the fact that we love doing it right like loving it is one thing the passion is one thing but if you have purpose in community like i feel like that that's 10 times more valuable at least for me um absolutely so. Yeah. I mean, a, fr- a friend of mine, shout out to Amanda, if you're listening. Ooh, Amanda ooh. told me the other day, she texted me and she was like, oh my word, I'm catching up on not much. I'm getting my braids undone. And we're just, <laughs> her and her cousin were sitting there, episode after episode after episode, just listening to all the stuff that we were, all our episodes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel I love so that. special. I love that because that's typically how I am with podcasts, especially when it's something I'm like, ooh, I really want to learn about this. Or, oh my gosh, I need this advice. Like, me and my friends been on this really weird like di self-care healing journey like all of us in like different ways and like everybody's like yeah so i heard on the podcast i'm like you know what at this point i can't even listen to podcasts about you know self-help because i just feel like it's too much it's too much advice that's what i have my therapist for and my friends and family this is just too much (laughs) i i also think it validates us so much because I think we're really vulnerable on this uh, podcast. Yeah. And so I think it, it's sometimes you feel like, have I shared too much? Oh my word, did I say too much? Yeah. And just to have you guys say, oh my word, I love how real you are, or I'm listening to this episode and I relate, just means so much to us. Okay. So please yeah. keep showing love. We appreciate it. We see every single DM. I mean, facts. Yeah, and if one of us does it, the other is going to tell the other. So yeah. trust me, I guarantee you, we're both saying it. Yeah. <laughs> So how are you doing, note, Naya? I was how, just about to say, on that note, Tools, how you been? <laughs> <laughs> you go first, girl. How, how's your week been? Uh, my week was hell. Oh, I'm going to be honest. My week was hell. I love teaching y'all. But you know that phrase when people be like, man, fuck them kids. Like, I was home my siblings. Every other time people have said that to me, I'd be like offended because I'm like, no, those are my babies. But this week when I say I was the embodiment, man, fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> It was literally that. I was like telling all of my managers like, next week is the end of summer camp and it's okay. Like I can just make it through it. But it was just like, it felt like everything. When I say 
that literally the embodiment of every bitch on this world is fucking trying me. Oh, every person on this world was trying me in some way and fashion. But I think I got through it. And I think yesterday was kind of the culmination of that. I was actually having a very calm, calm, like conversation with someone that I really care about. And I kind of lashed out with like everything else. And they also was having like a hell week. And I was like, I'm so sorry that I just put that all on you. So sorry. And on top of that, like, for those of you who don't know, I'm in the middle of making an album, a music album, and it is... Hey, okay, musician. I know, but it's just like, if I'm being completely honest, y'all, like, I have had to work my thinking 50 million ways. Like, it's been so many lessons in this one little project. It's only five songs, and in those five songs, I just feel like, what if I'm not good enough? Like, and it, it really sucks, because it's just like, this is my work. And this is everything that I've got, but all of your insecurities go into every project that you're working on. And it's funny that it's like, my friend was helping me yesterday and I'm like, you know, that acting degree that you have, I feel like that will really work here. Like the same tools that you were using there, like she was pulling on the same things. And I've been doing this since I was like seven, y'all. Like singing is not new for me. This has been my whole life before I was even acting. So like the same insecurities that I've always had are now being put on the spotlight. And it's it's a very vulnerable moment. So I'm gonna make it through. Don't ask me when it's coming out because I, I don't know. Uh, I had a goal and it, it's it's not proving to be efficient. That goal is not happening at this rate. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, man, that's amazing, Naya. All the best on that. And I can't wait to hear it. I know you have a South African audience that's definitely going to download and listen to it. Okay. We're so excited. <laughs> Tell us how about you? How's your week, man? Um, I had a very, very, very weird week. My the beginning of my week didn't start off so well. Okay. Um, as I've been speaking about over the past few weeks, my anxiety really has been so bad. Ooh, it's been so bad, y'all. Like I constantly it's it's quite like it's high functioning. So mm. for people on the outside I look like I'm okay. I'm able to wake up and go to work and do what I need to do, but yeah. I'm just like always nervous and and like on a deeper level constantly feel like something is coming after me or something is about to go extremely mm. bad in my life and living like that is just it's terrible and I think my actual environment is 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 contributing to it right so the world mm. is in a weird space South Africa is in flames and then my apartment like I've said has no natural light so it is midnight all the time in this place so i'm just not happy when i'm here is what i realized this week i decided to go home on wednesday um just because i needed to you know get some light and just be with my family and i think i i got some so much clarity being at home i Ooh, that's fun when you when you finally leave like an environment that hasn't been good for you you're then able to see like okay I'm not happy because of A, B, C, D. Like, I just had so much clarity. Yeah. I spoke to my dad, and he just validated me, and I was trying to explain to him, you know, why I'm I'm, I'm not doing well and why I'm upset, et cetera, et cetera. And he just understood, which is, which was so amazing, you know, having your That's parent. Amazing, who, exactly. Have, having your parent who's not necessarily the most sensitive or like most aware of mental health 
and him just understanding that like I feel very sad in my apartment and I I need to move I need to find a place where I can have a window that faces outside. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. As I feel that. you know, just that simple. I just need I just need natural light and I will be better. <laughs> um, and I think I need a little bit more space. My apartment is just too tiny. I need to be able to compartmentalize my life. I need to know I sleep here, I work here, I eat here, I chill here. Yeah. And my place is very tidy <laughs> yeah. so everything kind of just is a blur and it just happens in the same space yeah so yeah i've decided that i am i'm i'm gonna see if i can't move units um which means more rent which means x x my life is about to change a little bit because <laughs> i'm paying more rent but and you that's also less know money. you can do it like i feel like exactly. part of like exactly. moving into an apartment is not just like getting the stuff in there but it's like okay but can i actually live on my own and be an adult yeah. and like take care of my bills and now you know yeah. you can so that's, yeah. always, great. that's always great yeah yeah so i've decided tomorrow i'm sending an email to my building managers and i'm just gonna ask for a different unit because i, I just can't do this anymore so I'm, I'm feeling very empowered that i've made that decision and i think that decision is really gonna change a lot and it's gonna make me a little happier so yeah that's how i've been i'm good i think it's time for us to get into our episode i've been talking for 10 minutes now <laughs> Close. Not exactly. and our, our guest is on ice waiting for us to introduce her as you can see guys in the title of this episode we are talking about the mixed race south african child we've touched on it here and there and i've been speaking quite ignorantly on it because i don't have a lot of like mixed race friends in my life or in my immediate circle and so don't know anything about the context of being mixed race in south africa so today we are finally going to delve into this conversation and i can yeah, stop yeah, speaking yeah. ignorantly <laughs> on it and musa can come and shed some light but yeah let's welcome musa musa how ooh, are ooh, you ooh. doing hello hello can you hear me yeah <laughs> we can, can. Yes. cool awesome guys i'm good i'm all good so the check-in question that we normally ask our guests just to check in is if the last bit or this portion of your life was a chapter in your book, what would it be called? And why? Mm, that's that's a heavy question. <laughs> just listening to you guys, I know you guys do really deep check-ins, so I've been bracing for this moment. <laughs> um, yeah, the chapter, I guess... This week, this week probably, probably I would yeah, call, I would call it, it the world, the world is, on is on fire. fire. <laughs> I think that's something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think Tuli you did allude to just um yeah, South, yeah, South Africa. Africa. <laughs> just being just in this country has been a mess, been a mess this mm-hmm. last week, so I suppose that's been at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. yeah. It's a mess. It really is a mess and it's a scary 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 place to be in right now. For our oh, American wow. viewers, I know I know what's going on because Tuli and I have talked about it, but can we just get a brief summary for those people who are like, what the heck are you talking about right now? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> First of all, I want to say this. I don't think we even know what's really going on because I think multiple things are true at this moment. Like there are so many realities that are true, right? And so many um, like narratives that exist. So... Our former president, Jacob Zuma, was, I guess, uh, charged in contempt of court, of the Constitution Court, and so he was charged to 15 months in prison. And his stance 
from uh, across the country, but mainly from the province of KZN, were not happy with this and started to protest his arrest. And I think the frustration with many other South Africans was like, when this man was in office, when this man was our president, he did nothing for you. He did nothing for us. You know, he built a multi-million rand estate in KZN, in the middle of famine, in the middle of struggle for his fellow Zulu people. And he built an amazing estate for him and his family. And so much happened in terms of corruption and funds missing and, you know, as, as it happens in South Africa. And, yeah, that's what's gone on. Now the protest turned into looting. The looting turned into, you know, the, the South African Defence Force being deployed. But they didn't do much because the looters were quite, you know, intense. Which then turned into racism. Oh boy. In Durban right now, in the the, city, uh, the major city in in KwaZulu Natal, there is so much happening. We have been seeing videos of black people being stopped from going into the store to go and buy groceries, bread, whatever. White people have put themselves in charge of the city, holding guns threatening the lives of black people, innocent black people who are not looters, but because they are black, they are assumed to be looters. And they cannot move around the city of Durban trying to get essentials for their families, which has been extremely triggering. Extremely triggering for a country that is a couple of decades out of uh, apartheid, that it's just too much. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot happening. So I think people in their response and in their fear and in their anxiety have been um, responding very disturbingly, in my opinion. It, it really is telling what you really think of black people in a time like this. Um, when you don't take the time to be empathetic and compassionate and understanding to the fact that these South Africans are hungry and they are tired of having their resources looted constantly and service delivery never being what it should be and what it was promised. But then we're in this perpetual cycle of continuing to vote the same party into power, which is a whole other thing and a whole other topic, which is, you know, it talks about how South Africans vote and like, voter loyalty that runs through our blood because this party got us out of apartheid so there's all of that it's a lot that's my little ignorant maybe biased summation of what's going on but it's been wild it's been wild how has it affected you Musan? um yeah like you said it is it is a lot um <laughs> i think your summary sort of did sum it all up i suppose from my side, you gave the preface to it all, but from my side, I guess, like you say, there's a lot happening. And I think even me as well, I'm ignorant to what exactly are the layers of complexities. But even in that, I suppose I'm just dealing with, um, yeah, the racism definitely that's mixed up in all of this, as well as the classism. I think that's largely been the conversations and uh, uh, tribalism, I guess. I suppose those three things, racism, classism, tribalism, have been the conversations I've had to confront myself with and have sort of 
yeah been yeah, engaging with in different circles on you know everything in the mess that it is Mm. and she most of the touches on tribalism because the context or rather like the popular belief is that it is zulu people who started the protest in solidarity with jacob zuma who is also a zulu man and so things are really bad in kwazulu natal which is where majority of our zulu population resides obviously there are zulu people all over south africa and so the protests have spread to some cities Joburg is one of them um i think it's ignorant to believe that only zulu people are protesting but it is believed that it was ethnically charged it was zulu people being activated to start these things to 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 kind of you know protect their president but yeah, but yeah, that that's what's happening in South Africa. Um, people are panic buying. <laughs> There's no bread on the shelves. There is no food in our shopping malls and our our, our stores. Um, it's difficult to buy. I know in Durban, uh, moms are struggling to get nappies and formula for their babies because everything is gone. And it's a mess. Yes, nappies are diapers. <laughs> But anyways, let's get into the conversation. Yeah. I'm so sorry to depress you guys. <laughs> we didn't take a turn. depressing note. <laughs> Musa, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? Let's give everybody just a little bit of context of who you are and what you do. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Who am I? Um, yeah, let's, I suppose, start with all the identifiers. I think obviously... <laughs> This conversation is labeled as it is. I'm, uh, I suppose, a mixed race South African, uh, also a woman, and I work predominantly in the visual arts world. Ooh, that's fun. That's really fun. Yeah. So when okay. you say mixed race, I don't, please correct me if this is the right way to say this for wrong way. What are the mixed like what are the mix what am i mixed with with yes with yeah the terminology is always so tricky right you don't want to be insensitive you don't want to be offensive that's the way you might refer to paint but is that how you refer to someone's Mm, racial exactly you know like i don't what are you mixed with like i don't i don't know if that's okay like i might say that to a friend because you might be comfortable but like a random person on the street maybe not Yeah. yeah Yeah, no, it, it does get super, super awkward. I think um, <laughs> the the phrase, I guess, that I most commonly hear that people often ask me is, what are you? I think for me, that's like the that most one. triggering. <laughs> yes. It's the most, in terms of what is offensive, what not to say, as long as you don't ask me, what are you? Anything else, <laughs> I can be forgiving of how you put together your words. But yeah, essentially, so my mom is black, Musoto, from Lesotho. And mm-hmm. my dad is a white German man from Germany. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And you then identify as mixed race? I do. I suppose this, was, <laughs> this gets into the thick of the conversation. Into so, the thick of it. Let's go. Yeah. In terms of, I suppose, um, I don't know, mixed race, I think it's a decent identifier in terms of like, I don't want to say categorizing, but I suppose it's it's accurately a descriptive term that I don't have a problem with. I find it quite a neutral term. However, if you talk about the broad scheme of identity, I think, I suppose the conversation we'll get into is just how 
I mean, identity is already complex, but for me particularly as a mixed race person, how I identify, um, I suppose this might be a controversial thing, but I see my identity as quite fluid and can sometimes de- depend on context, if I can say it that way. So yeah, mixed race is a decent neutral term. It's very descriptive of like, technically that is what I am, mixed race or biracial. Those are two terms that are all right. But in terms of identity, I don't know, man. It, it depends and it's a lot. And yeah, different contexts sort of indicate different things of how I'm viewed as and how I feel comfortable referring to myself as. And when you say like, it's fluid based on like, where you are, what, what is it, what is it based on and how does it change? So, um, yeah, how do I, there's, there's so much to it. How do I pick it apart? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> I suppose there's one element of the conversation, I think. So I did my homework and listened to this sort of series of podcasts you've been doing and the, there's sort of been this conversation around, particularly in the context of South Africa, how firstly you get colored and you get mixed race and that's like a whole debate Mm -hmm. a whole thing Mm -hmm. and as well i think in a more wider global context there is the understanding of when does mixed race fall under the term of black when is it appropriate to label mixed race black and when it isn't so i think those two things yeah would mostly be and i suppose another context um yeah which i can get into here which i think is quite interesting for this conversation that maybe other people might not be as privy to but also as a mixed race person i've had experiences where i go into sort of settings that are i suppose like predominantly how do i put this essentially i did mention that my mom is Mosotu from lesotho and i've noticed it's a thing where if i go let's say into the deep rural parts of Lesotho, a lot of the times, you know, I can be called like Lahua, I'm referred to as a white person. So there's yeah. that complexity as well. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine how interesting your childhood is. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm, I and guess then, I'm kind of interested in like, obviously, so there's like the social aspect of it like when you went to school and like in the neighborhood like how people interact um with with this difference like a they they're interacting with you but they're really immediately interacting with like your skin color right because they don't necessarily know um your heritage per se but like at home was there any difference per se i guess do you have siblings where there there's less apparent difference or there is but it's like minute i know some of my mixed friends at here like their siblings might look more like one parent over the other or like you'd be like oh they're definitely black but then you see their sibling and you're like wait are you black like there's the weird discrepancies in your in your mind when you're like trying to place people in categories which better or worse that's i mean that's naturally what happens but it's definitely not the best way to interact with people yeah yeah um yeah, definitely. I think that's a thing. So I have one brother. It's mostly in the immediate family. It's me and my brother. And so I've been told that we look alike. I fight that fact, but apparently we do. But though fair enough in terms of, I suppose, skin tone, hair texture, features, these things that mark sort of race to the outside world, those are similar. 
Okay. So, yeah, I, I get that what you're saying in terms of, you know, in school and these other contexts, how those, like you said, skin color. I think for me, um, I suppose skin color definitely is one, but I would say skin color and hair texture have been the two sort of major points of conflict in terms of how people sort of, yeah, identify me racially, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's so interesting when you're talking about hair. Um, black people have just a particular texture of hair. Obviously, our textures are all different and beautiful in their curls and stuff. But I find that when I look at South African black hair and I look at African American or black American hair, our hair is so different, right? Obviously, for, for obvious reasons, like different mixes in our bloodlines and heritages. But I find that also really, really interesting um, that your hair texture and the curl pattern really gives you like this. You're 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 just you're just exotic in South Africa if you have a hair texture like Mosa's or you know it it's just it it's it's such a. I think as a black woman who has very much black hair, that's very uninteresting. <laughs> it's just an afro. There's nothing. <laughs> it's, it's not mixed with nothing. Okay, it's just nigger and nigger. Okay, and I, 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 I remember being in settings and situations where I would meet girls like Mosa, who I, you know, maybe in my ignorant mind at the time would say, "Oh, she's coloured," you know. Hmm. And the boys would always gravitate and, and uh, towards girls that look like Musa because they were so, I want to say racially ambiguous, you know, with their cool hair and their big puffy afros. And my afro is just like, it's on the struggle an bus. Afro. An afro. <laughs> it is dry and lifeless and Musa's hair is bouncing, okay, in her little ponytail. <laughs> So I find that quite interesting. Um, did you? This is not even a question, a talking point. But did you? Did you find yourself being um, fetishized or having certain boys being interested yeah. in you because of your racial amb- ambiguity? The answer is yes, straight up. Um, <laughs> she's like, I can't even get through the question. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> and what does that feel like on your side? Because I guess I only experience it on my side, right? Like I see it's us and the black girls going. <laughs> She's not even that pretty, <laughs> just because she's light skinned, <laughs> just because yeah. she, you know, looks colored. So, what is that like for you? I've never actually had this conversation. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So, I think definitely it is a thing: the fetishization, the exotification, the whole, um, yeah, mystery of this racial ambiguousness. It's. Um, I suppose I think it's obvious that it. There's. I'm hesitant to say pros. There's definitely a whole lot of cons to it. But I can see, at least from your lens or from any outside lens, how it seems like, oh, she must be living a nice life with, particularly in regards to, like, men and being seen as desirable. But then again, I think when you get to um, being desired because you're being exotified isn't necessarily something you want. I can see how someone can perceive it as this must be nice, but at the root of it, I don't think there's any flattery in that. Essentially, you are are being dehumanized. I think before I had the language to describe it, definitely as a kid, it would be um, flattering that I got a lot of attention, but the more I sort of came to understand, you know, what is exotification, what is fetishism, 
it's a lot less flattering. Essentially, it is. It, it's really sure. dehumanizing. <laughs> I think now, especially at my age, I tend to stand like it's immediate a turn off, and I see myself staying away from the type of guys that are, you know, the South African men with just like treat light skin like it's gold plated. To me, it's the most unattractive trait, and because I know it, like the mindset that creates that type of person really is an unattractive one. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. Again, it's tricky. I can see how, I suppose there's also a privilege that comes with that, that I need to acknowledge in the sense of, you know, colorism and how light skin just gets you a lot of perks in life in the South African context. So there's that that I have to note, but also the other coin of just being exotified. It's, it's dehumanizing at the end of the day. Fair. Yeah, I'll take it. So I guess what, going back kind of to the childhood and like your your family unit, right? So it's you and your brother, but like, were there any differences between like your maternal side and and your paternal side? Like, yeah. Yeah. What, what's life like when you are with your mom's side of the family and with your dad's side of the family? Yeah. So I suppose for my context, like I said, my mom is Masutu. I grew up in the free state. So the town I grew up in is literally right on the border of Lesotho, making like Lesotho is a 20 minute drive away. So I grew up a lot like physically closer to my mom's side of the family, seeing as they're right there. Also, I am, you know, living in the context of Africa. And then my dad's side, which is European, um, his side of the family is a lot smaller. He's an only child. And yeah, physically, geographically, it's further away. So. I think I was a lot more familiar with my mom's side of the family. If I speak Mm -hmm. of my dad's side, I don't really have a reference because I'm so far removed from them. It's really just my dad. Um, Yeah. That makes sense. And so when was the first time as a child, you know, living between these two worlds, what would you say marked the first time that you became aware of this term mixed race, you know, and how did you feel about the term when you first met it? You know, have you ever, you know, like wh- where did that sit with you when you realized that this is what and how people would identify you? Yeah, yeah so, so hmm. this is this interesting, is I think, and it's also very particular to my context. So like I said, I grew up in this little town in the free state. And, and it's it's strange whenever I tell people this story, but the town I grew up in, we just happened to have quite a few mixed race people. So like, you know, my family okay. is half Misutu, and I know that's very, I can hear too many, like that's very rare for South, in the South African context. But yeah, I don't know, it's this little town. Um, um, our family is, you know, Sutu German. There was another family down the road is Sutu Turkish. I knew another Sutu British family, etc., etc. There's also quite a few Euro- Europeans. So my sort of mixed race wasn't ever really a foreign thing to me. Though my context growing up is, I think I was more familiar with the idea of culture and ethnicity rather than race. Also, again, I think it's particular to my town where the context was, you know, we have black people. The majority of black Africans here are Sutus, Basutus. And then there's the white, the majority of white South Africans are Afrikaans people. And then you have the Europeans. So they are all identified by there's a land and there's a language attributed to this person. And so for me, what was super interesting, I suppose this moment you're asking of when did I realize sort of 
what is mixed race was actually when I left this town. So I so I went to boarding school in KZN and I think the sort of epiphany moment for me was in KZN where the first time I met a white South African, so an English white South African. For me that was such like a mind, like I didn't understand that concept because I remember I think I probably asked the question of like what like where are you from like it didn't make sense Mm. to me (laughs) yeah yeah. because my understanding of race was you know you have a land well actually my understanding of ethnicity was more so than race that you're identified by where's your land and what is your language yeah so for me all white people were either afrikaans or european so when i met a white english south african it was like like what is this concept (laughs) yeah and I think and that, I think that sort, of sort of led me to understanding race, race as a category, category more so than culture, culture. Which, is, which is I always understood myself as half German, half Sutu. I never understood myself as half white and half black. So I think that moment where race became unpacked for me was when I started to understand what is this thing of being half white and half black. Jeez. That is so interesting. That is so interesting. You know, this is exactly why I kept saying in all our other episodes that I guess you can't blanket what mixed race in South Africa is. You know, you can't really like just because the, the experiences are so like distinct and so different yeah. because a lot of the stories I had heard secondhand were people just kind of like, yeah, my dad is black, my mom is white, but I just kind of grew up on my mom's side, so I just identify as more white than I do black, Mm. you know? Mm. Um, I've just been, you know, exposed to this side of the family, and this is how I grew up, and this is how I do life, therefore that's how I identify, you know? Which Mm. brings me to, you know, have you ever felt torn or in the middle of these two quote-unquote sides you know um because you grew up with your mom did you feel like you mostly leaned towards just identifying as Soto because that's really all you were exposed to for most of your life yeah um so that question I think the premise of that question I I struggle with because I think that question I've been asked this all my life of you know, no, trying to trying imply to that I should that pick I should a side or which side do you lean to. The whole no. ideas of sides, I think I find, uh, essentially, I think it's slightly it's problematic. problematic. And for me, the Fair older enough. I grow, I try to pick apart this idea that, okay, what do you mean by size? Mm. I think that can sometimes, particularly in with mixed race people, I think there's an implication of a binary, like especially a black, white, mixed race person that black is on one side of the binary and then white is on the other side, which, like I said, my experience growing up, I never sort of saw it through that lens, but at the same time, in the context of South Africa, I can understand why that lens exists. Yes, yes. But like the way I see my upgrowing is, rather than saying, have I been torn between sides, I would rather phrase it in the way that um, have I had conflict from varying influences? I think that puts it in a better way where we don't consider this thing as a binary. Like I really have a problem whenever people speak of sides in relation to mixed race because what are the sides? <laughs> what is the one extreme to the other? Because there's no extreme on either side. So I suppose I just I can account for influences, influences that may come from. Um, the white German side and influences that come from the black Sutu side and as well further complicated by 
you know, I live in a South African context. I'm also middle class, so there's that element of a sort of westernized middle class South African influences. Basically, there's an amalgamation of influences, I say, that conflict. I like that better. I definitely like that better because I will definitely say on my, like, I'm not mixed, um, but I do have a lot of influences in my genetics, a lot. I always joke with Tulia and say, like, my genetics is, like, I'm basically a mutt. Like, I can't say that I'm pure black. And most African Americans in America can say that. Like, we, even if we say, like, when people come to us, like, are you black? And it's like, yeah, I'm mixed with black, black, and more black. Like, that's always the joke that we have. But it's like, when you really think about it, like, no, I, I am mixed with a lot of freaking things. I don't know what all of them are. Um, if you look at my DNA, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's definitely some in there and thankfully i have family members who are still alive to tell me like oh no your family came from here here and here um but i definitely feel that like there are a lot of influences because even the awkward black girl trope is like an influence where did you get the influences of all these other things and uh, trying to act white and all those phrase, phrases and terminology is to me as you said it's not so much like the sides it's so much like there are influences that cause you to be who you are today type thing so i guess in that same vein i would i have questions about like what do you think do you think you have more strong influences in one area over another or um obviously like there's the middle class lens to look through but there's also like i think as an american my brain goes okay but apartheid wasn't that long ago so like how did that yeah did that have any influence like in terms of like your life you know i know like our generation is the one that wasn't living under like the apartheid system so like what does that look like today yeah i think yeah i suppose of the many many intersectionalities of identity um being born post-apartheid I suppose quote-unquote born free that's another element that just complicates the mix that's already so complicated but I think that's particularly I've been reflecting on how interesting that is in the mixed race experience again I listened to your previous podcasts and there was one where Tuli was talking about how mixed race is not a thing I laughed like it was hilarious and triggering but also hilarious I can understand ignorantly I am so sorry very ignorant of me no no not like I'm not calling you out or anything I completely understand that context because I think that speaks to this history of the country and you sort of accounting your friends where where you have mixed friends it's always like oh but I grew up in you know I one side so they lean more towards the one side and so their mixed raceness was never really much of a thing mm-hmm. and yeah i think particularly if i think back to um yeah in the south african context i can see how mixed race particularly under apartheid it didn't it, it really wasn't a thing um i suppose in the context especially where i suppose a mixed race child is born to a black mother and you think of how um, like land, land and everything and was segregated, segregated that the child the will child just go, go to the black community, black community of yeah. the mother they mother were born they under and they're sort of encapsulated, encapsulated by, that by that community and their mixed and race mixed doesn't race really doesn't become, much, become of much of a thing. So I think so as, I think opposed, as to opposed to me now living now in this post-apartheid society, society also living with living both of my parents. my parents, so like they're still so like together, I literally am in their house right now with both of them. 
that i think makes things i I think that's a unique experience that i don't think is very common in south africa yeah from other people which is why i can understand Tuli saying it's not a thing and i think the whole born free of it makes it it's it's more yeah it's only recently becoming a thing i feel yeah i think I think I, I mean speaking speaking from my understanding of what black life looks like and is um, because I am black and I've lived a very black life and a very black existence and knowing that white people live a completely different life because their context is different and they've lived a very particular kind of existence as well I think that's why it's so easy to think of black and white as binaries because Mm. growing up being black was a particular kind of experience and looking from the outside into white people and white kids lives it was a completely different life for me you know Mm. so i think sometimes it's easy for us to 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 make it a binary because the existences are so different the experiences the lived experiences are so different you know like from the smallest things to the biggest things you know so I always wondered if you had an experience where if you're with your mom's side of the family, you are going to a particular kind of area, suburb, um, township, or uh, apartment block or apartment building, and you're received in this kind of way because you're with your mother and then you're on holiday with your cousins on your dad's side and then that exists or that experience becomes different to you because their life is actually like different to the life that you would live with your mom and i think when you're saying like parents you live with both your parents because they're still together which is also not really something that's common i mean i've heard so many experiences of people whose parents aren't together and live that kind of like when i'm with my mom this is what life is like and when i'm with my dad these are the things i get to experience and see and so I just love like the fact that your life hasn't been a binary like that. Your existence has been so like so unique. (laughs) Um that it really is just influences. Yeah. But the unit is one. I don't even know if I'm making any sense. No, you put it yeah, I think I like the way that you put it. That's exactly it. Um yeah, and exactly what you say. I think that's partly why I was sort of enthusiastic about having this conversation because I think a lot of the conversation around mixed race people, particularly in a South African context, is exactly like you described that, okay, they visit the black side, they live this life that's very sort of definitively black, and then they go to the the white side. I just I think one of the references, I suppose Trevor Noah is like one of the most visible stories of like he has that very quintessential story of okay i visited my european dad and did these things and i went back to the township and i think that type of story makes it very easy to think of it in a binary because they experience life in a binary yeah and i suppose yeah for me i think my story it's it's never been one that fit into these ideas of like a mixed race experience in south africa because like you say it is it is sort of rare and different and yeah. Again, this Again, binary is, is people keep people asking ask me to kind of, um, it's like they it's want like me they to want paint out this binary, binary and I struggle, I struggle because, because I don't, because I don't it's, it's not a thing in my life. In my life. 
Yeah. And I think it's worth vocalizing that this is also just another narrative of what it is to be mixed race. 100%. 100%. Oh, I love this. Okay, so just, just to wrap it up, you have really spoken to us about what it was like growing up like you, you know, in the small town in the free state coming to Durban. So what then becomes of this girl who comes to Durban and meets her first white English South African? And how does then she navigate the world? Because obviously you're viewed differently when you're in Durban, right? Um, I don't know mm-hmm. how people identify you in Durban. T- talk to us about Mosa from that point onwards and how she kind of navigated this unique space of being mixed race mm-hmm. in the new South Africa outside of the free state. <laughs> So that's like that's a whole a whole essay thesis book <laughs> memoir yeah. story, but to condense it, I guess. So I suppose starting from that point of realizing, hey, race is a thing, and it's a thing that doesn't fit into these neat boxes that I thought it previously fit into. Particularly, I can't speak about race without referencing ethnicity because those were so entwined in how I describe my upbringing. So when I realized how those things, those boxes aren't as as neat and as entwined, I know it just just became a point of um, analyzing and unpacking. And as well, I suppose, me moving in different areas and seeing how I'm viewed was an interesting thing. So like I say, where I grew up, I always was seen as, you know, the Hofsu to Hof German girl. And then and now, now that I come that to KZN, 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 it's sort of a lot of the, lot of the what are you what questions, questions, a lot of <laughs> people not people sort of understanding, understanding where to place me. Um, mm. um, yeah, with yeah, just, just, I get told that I look like a lot of different things, but I think from that point, a lot of times in the South African, I think the most common thing people will refer to me as is colored. So that was also another thing that I had to unpack of. No, mixed no, race is mixed actually race is different actually to colored. colored. And I think particularly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know, in I my experience, in my I can say, I don't know how true it, how it is, but for me, it was largely from, from like black, like black African, African people that I got this got label this of colored. colored. That's, that's where they put me. And I find it interesting, or suppose different groupings put me in a different place. So a lot of black people refer to me as colored. That's the market that they see me as judging as where I look. And then, white people I was just sort of um, other and a lot of times I think from their lens it's sort of white and everything else so I was just under the umbrella of you know non-white I suppose if I can use that term so from there it was a lot of um, I suppose so leaving home and moving through different spaces it was just interesting for me to firstly see what I'm viewed as I guess and then and I suppose then from that point, that point I now need to internalize to what do I identify as and what do I call myself? Because it's one thing one to people, people telling you what you are. What you are. And mm. sort of, I think in I one think of your other podcasts, you spoke about this thing of people like if an ethnicity would claim you. So it was this thing of, you know, realizing I can't wait around to be claimed and I can't sort of live this disjointed life where I am only whatever someone says I am in a particular context. Suppose it was just sort of trying to settle on, okay, what is my identity for me? Like I need something to make me comfortable that exists within all contexts. I don't constantly feel like I'm being, you know, like pulled apart in different pieces. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Mm. So I, I think mean, that, point, that's yeah. where, like, sorry, that's where, like I say, mixed race, I think, is a very neutral term for me because I think it makes sense in a lot of different contexts. But also another um, place I'm at now, which I suppose it could change, but where I'm at now is accepting how my identity like also like, not also feeling not the need to put myself in a box accepting that my racial identity can be fluid i think i'm quite comfortable in that understanding that's kind of a superpower too i think i was just gonna say like i feel like the your story kind of went down another alleyway of like this this lens of empowerment of like okay taking back which i think is kind of common it's like when you don't want to be inside the box that other people have put you in um, and then realize where do you want to put yourself? I, I think that is one of the most major forms of empowerment is self self development and self um, self reclaiming self reflection. I want to say self defining is really the word I'm looking for. Um, and like your own story, like your race is what it is, your ethnicity is what it is. But where do I identify in those things? And I kind of like what not kind of I really like what you said of like you figuring out where you are in both of those things. Obviously, like you have a German father and a black mother, but like, it's not for someone else to say whether you're more one or the other. It's for you to define who you are and why does it have to be a binary? Like you just are who you are, um, which is so, I think, beautiful. This is a final question for me. Um, and then we can wrap up here, but I was just curious and I've been thinking about this for a minute. When did your father come to South Africa? Um, Mm. yeah <laughs> that story um yeah i think that's also another thing people ask like how did they how is this a thing also how did they <laughs> which is interesting um when did he come i don't know however many years ago but he actually oh, actually yeah he started in south africa and then he moved to lesotho okay um this was how old am i i'm like in i suppose it was maybe 30 in his who I'm trying to think back i think in his maybe his either late 20s or early 30s around there okay that's when he came and he's like in the 60s now so he's been here quite a while and yeah he came he met her in Lesotho. he came here just sort of um i don't even know how he came here i think it was just like him exploring i don't know he came here for work and sort of just like life drifted him towards it. Lesotho. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Awesome. Sure. Musa, thank okay, you guys. so much for sure, taking guys. the time to come and chat with us and give us such a beautiful story and different perspective. Yeah. yeah and different yeah. different perspective and different story on, on what it means to be you and to be mixed race in your context and in your eyes. I love I mean I've met I met Musa a couple of years ago. We did a collaborative process when I was still in drama school. She was in the photography school and I was, you know, in the theater school and we kind of met in this collaborative process and obviously there was not enough time to delve into these kinds of things. And when yeah. thinking about a guest for this episode, I kept saying to Naya, I don't know any mixed people. I don't know. <laughs> she lied, guys. She I, lied. I, I don't she know. Did. I don't have any mixed friends. I think I'm gonna ask a friend and to ask to like you know, give me a friend of theirs. And something just hit me one day and I'm like, Mosa. Mosa, <laughs> because go. we follow each other on Instagram and I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, yes, she's the perfect guest. She's the perfect, perfect guest. Perfect. Even the message um, you sent me, just hilarious. 
the way you're like, um, I'm not really sure if you are, if you're not mixed race. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't really remember if she, because you know, when you introduce yourself in a new collaborative process, you know, yeah. kind of like, you know, and it was quite a, it was, I don't even know what, it, I don't remember what it was about, but I think she had mentioned that she's mixed race. I don't even and remember I wasn't saying sure. that. That's why that's wild. I don't remember saying that, but hey, it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you had mentioned it, or maybe you mentioned it in a smaller group setting, like when we had broken up into smaller Mm. groups. I don't remember, but I just remember you like either implying it or saying that you were, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to. And now this girl's like, excuse me, the term is not mixed race; it is of different cultures. You know, so I didn't want to. Before we go, could I maybe ask you a question, Tuli? Just sure, because I'm interested. We flipped the script here. No, I'm interested in terms of, like, you say your first impression of me. What did you think I was? Um, I definitely didn't think you were colored. I definitely thought that you were probably from a different country. I just thought you were, you were like, visiting or you were on exchange <laughs> from a different country. Um, I just remember you looked so cool and so pretty. You had your big afro out and you had red lipstick that day with your MacBook. And all the girls with MacBooks always are cool and from different countries because oh, wow. <laughs> South, Africans, South Africans don't buy MacBooks like that, guys. Like, okay, sure. When you're a photographer. true you are a photographer so you do need (laughs) you probably would need it so i just really thought you were this cool girl from like maybe the netherlands or something and so you spoke and i was like okay definitely south african (laughs) that's why i'm like why specific (laughs) i'm like why specifically the netherlands but okay tills cool i don't know i don't know i asked this question because i think this as well um particularly when people ask me about this i always wonder like what is their point of reference yeah. like i say this is part of my sort of just life and analyzing where i fit in and all these things it's always interesting for me to hear where other people place me because that is what yeah. just gives me more intel of just this yeah interesting yeah. web of identity I get yeah that. i so get that well thank you again thank so you again so much Mosa, um for sure, coming guys. on to the show and telling us your story um i know you said that you were enthusiastic to do it so that you know that definitely helps you know definitely love that um so that is all from us this week guys we hope you have an amazing week and as always please follow us on instagram and our twitter rant much underscore podcast and as we said at the beginning of the episode drop in our dms let us know how your lives are please like your check-in question is how have you been this week um where we're like taking you and we want to know all those things in the comments and our dms so as always we love you all and we will catch you next week bye guys bye to the tiktok you don't stop stop stop